0: Welcome to The Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Heal Podcast. Wherever you are listening today, we are so glad that you joined us. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. I am your host. And if you missed it last week, go back and listen to my sermon from the Fall Heal Retreat. And then these next two episodes are going to look a little bit different as well because we are heading into the Winter Heal Retreat this weekend. It is our fourth one. We keep changing it according to your feedback. So this time it's only one hour long. There are two options for for you, either 12 p.m. Eastern or 4 p.m. Eastern. There's gonna be a great message. The most important part comes next with the community and getting to talk to others that you can relate to in this specific area of pain and limitation. And then we'll finish with some worship. So again, that's this Saturday. You can go to thehealministry.com to sign up. Here is an example of what a message looks like from the Heal Retreat. This is Pastor Matt Hedges. If you want to listen to his episode where I interviewed, him about his story, you can go back to episode 12. So like he talks about in his episode, Matt lost his wife to ESRD a few years ago. And in this message, he talks about that, the things that they faced, very practical advice, as well as some real good touches to the heart. So I would get a notepad ready. This is one you want to take notes for and listen in and then meet us back here again on Thursday. And we'll have our final message from the fall Heal. return treats
1: well, Hello and welcome to Navigating Life in Times of Crisis. My name is Matt Hedges and uh, I want to thank Tara for uh, this opportunity to talk about the last 20 something years of my life. I think through this next 15 to 20 minutes uh, I'm going to share a little bit about what I've been through and what God has done and shown me. And my prayer through this whole process is that Uh, you'll find some maybe peace and some answers, maybe some strength that you might need as you go through times of crisis, um, struggling with chronic illness, uh, illness of any kind, sickness, addiction. There are a lot of things that happen in life that we struggle through and we seek answers and we feel like sometimes there are no answers. And so I have uh, certainly and by no means uh, have all those answers, but I do have some experience that God has allowed me to go through. So today, in this next few minutes that we have together, I hope we can um, walk through and navigate that. I think Tara originally asked me to be on a podcast because she was a part of my life for several years as I was her youth pastor in high, when she was in high school. And um, I got to know her as, as an amazing young woman. And now to see her doing what she's doing is just incredible to me. But she was there during some times where my wife and I struggled. And I'm going to get into that story a little bit share with you uh, what she's been through. And I think you'll find some insight that hopefully will help you as you go forward and you navigate life in some really rough times. My wife and I, her name was Christina. We were married in 1999 here in Austin, Texas. And um, we immediately began serving in the ministry. Um, I was the youth pastor at a church outside of Austin. And we loved what we did. And so, as we uh, continued there, we had a good first year in our life together and um, began uh, kind of making dreams and plans and asking God what He wanted for our future. And um, we had no idea what our future was going to hold at that time, but we knew who held it and we had faith in that. And so, Uh, We had a great first year things were like every young married couple you kind of draw up you travel a little bit you You enjoy getting to know each other you um, You find out those common things you struggle a little bit as you're adjusting to life with a new person But things were good and then um, during the second year She began to deal with an illness that would eventually over 17 years um, Take her life. Um, She passed away in October 17th of 2017, and, and so uh, there was a lot that I learned during that time. Um, someone asked me recently, how, how did you feel when you were going through all of those years of walking through this? So I, I went back, I started thinking about that. What a great question. Um, how do you describe the emotions? How do you describe the, the loss of control? How do you describe watching someone that you love? deal with an illness that would break down every organ in her body uh, and eventually take her life. How, how do you describe that? So I started thinking, and the way that, that I can describe it goes back to my, my life uh, as, a, as a child. I grew up in West Texas, uh, way away from, from a lot of people. The, the, the biggest town I lived in had 100,000 people at, at, at the most, uh, and that fluctuated a lot. And, and so I was born and raised in West Texas, lived there until I was 15 years old. And my dad got transferred to Houston, Texas. And so we went from living in a city of 99 to 100,000 to all of a sudden living in a suburb suburb of Houston that had 100,000 people in it. So it was a culture shock. It was completely different from anything I had ever experienced in my life. The things that I had seen on TV, all of a sudden I was seeing right in front of me all over this, this massive place. And I was trying to get my head around it. So my parents decided that we would go to see the ocean for the first time. Now, if you do not know where West Texas is, it's as far away in Texas from the ocean as you can get. There is nothing. My only, my closest experience to anything in the ocean at that time was Long John Silver's. And uh, if you know anything about that, that's a long way away. So we went and uh i encountered a brand new it was a brand new experience Uh, i decided that as a 15 year old i would go out and try to um wave board for the first time and that's basically where you get on face first down on a board and you go out into the ocean and you try to get over waves and back to the shore and and i was horrible at it uh it was not going well that the whole day i tried i could not get the the hang of it i was on i was probably in the water more than i was on the board Towards the end of this experience, I was way out by myself, laying on the board, and all of a sudden, I saw these big gelatinous white gooey things coming through the water. Now, I had had never seen anything like this. I didn't know what it was, so I just figured they'll float by and I'll be okay. Well, sure enough, my foot was in the water and I felt this sting come over one of my feet. And these things were jellyfish. And if you've never been stung by jellyfish, It is excruciating. And the moment I felt that, my entire foot seized up. It just stopped working my right foot. And I looked down, I could see from behind me as I'm looking, I could see these these tentacles hanging off of my foot. Well, no sooner had I recognized and felt that pain, all of a sudden they moved under the board and over my left foot. And the same thing happened. These tentacles wrapped around my foot and immediately the pain set in and and I couldn't use my feet. And I kind of panicked. So I felt off of my board. And now I'm, I'm in the ocean. I'm fighting. I'm t- t- I feel like I'm drowning. I can't move. I can't swim. All of a sudden, the water's coming up over me. The board that I was on, I have no idea where it is. And I was in a bad situation. So I was frantically kicking and screaming. And, and there was nobody around. And I thought, OK. At this point, I felt like, OK, that's it. And sure enough, out of nowhere, I felt this hand reach around and grab me from behind. And it it startled me. So the only thing I could think to do was kick and fight harder, right? And and, and this struggle more. And this hand grabbed me and he said, calm down. He said, relax, I've got you. In that moment, I relaxed. And this man who I never knew pulled me out all the way to the shore, drug me up on on the, the sand And then my family saw this happening and came over to me, got me up, set me down on this this chair, and I began to reflect on what had just happened. Now, as I go back to that moment, I can equate 17 years of what we went through with the feelings that I had in that moment. And I think my instinct during the 17 years of dealing with a chronic illness and trying to find answers and none of them coming, my instinct was to do the same thing. To fight, to kick, to push against everything I could, to do everything I could to keep from drowning. And I felt like a lot of days I felt that very same feeling where all I was trying to do was get my head above water and take a breath. Looking back on it, I know there were many times where God was saying, relax. Stop fighting me. But that's not our human instinct. Our human instinct is to take ourselves, take it on ourselves, to, to push against things that may help us, to do whatever we can to solve this problem that seems insurmountable when God has the answers for that. I learned this verse, one of my, my favorite verses, that it kind of describes this whole feeling. And, and I learned this from a friend of mine who said, who, who actually prayed this over me during this time. And, and it's, the, it's 2 Samuel twenty two seventeen, 17. It says, he sent from on high. He took me and he drew me out of many waters. As I reflect on the experience that I had in the ocean at 15 years old. As I reflect on the the 19 years total that, that I was with my wife. And the 17 years that she was going through this chronic this chronic illness. I can see where I did not allow God to reach down and rescue me from these waters. Listen, I I don't know where you're at. I I don't know what's brought you to this conference. I don't know what kind of healing you're in need of. But the first thing I want to share with you is you cannot find your own way out. Some things are just too big. They're too insurmountable. But this verse says, he sent from on high. He took me and he drew me out of many waters. That's God's job. Our job is to relax. So what I want to share with you uh, are a few things here that hopefully are practical and and hopefully will give you some of the the experience that I've had that God has taught me. And And in hindsight, which is always the best way to look at things, I can see where God had built some people into my life, some situations and circumstances, some verses, some things that he had put there. I didn't recognize, but he had put them there for me and maybe even for you. But the three areas that, that I feel like I want to share are the first, the struggle for the caretaker. I touched on it a little bit, but being a caretaker being responsible for somebody that is going through a chronic illness or going through depression or going through anything that is debilitizing to us is a heavy toll. The person going through it feels it physically, but the person that's carrying the burden with them feels it emotionally. And Christina used to say to me sometimes in our, our moments together that she used to apologize to me for making me for taking me through this. And I used to always tell her that one thing we have to do, and this is what I, if you're a caretaker watching this, you have to be able to separate the diagnosis and the sickness from your loved one. One of the failures in, in hospitals, doctors, um, is I believe when you go to in a situation where you're in and out of the hospital. Those of you with chronic illness will understand this. You become a diagnosis and a patient number on a chart sometimes. And that's hard because no longer are you a person, but the doctor sees you as, here's the things that are wrong, and this is how I'm going to treat you. The nurses say, okay, this is what the doctor's prescribed for patient X, Y, Z, and this is what we're going to do. But the the emotional connection sometimes gets left out. In a caretaker role, that can happen. It's not uncommon for people that I've talked to and work with to for someone to look at their their person that they're they're taking care of and see them as that diagnosis. And what is so critical and important is that we separate the diagnosis from the person. No matter what what's going on, that is still your loved one that's there. And to help them separate themselves, that was something Christina struggled with too, because of being in and out of hospitals and doctors, she began to see herself as as who what what they told her she was the things that she carried her limitations and and I, I always wanted her to see herself as the person that she was and she did that to to some extent but it had we had to work through that we had to go through that understanding you are not what you are diagnosed with you are greater than that and a caretaker When you invest in that person outside of that diagnosis, you give them more value. You give them more strength to go on, no matter what they're struggling with. But as that caretaker, you have to be prepared for the emotional toll that it takes on you. And it does. You you pay a price. It's just the reality of it. It is emotionally hard to watch somebody you love. Go through the same thing over and over and over. And it's emotionally exhausting to not have any answers, especially as men. We want to fix it. I want to get a hammer out and get it fixed. It's not the way it works. The emotional toll is there. So you have to be prepared for that. How do you do that? You allow people to come around and surround you. uh, The People that love you. The people that want to see good things for you. You have to allow them to come around you. Be there in the hospitals. Come to to bring you meals or sit with you. People want to do that. If you don't have a support network, then find one. There are churches that have great support networks. There are groups that hospitals have that you can go to as a caretaker that have support networks. There are chaplains in hospitals. Reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out to those people that can come in and support you emotionally there's a physical toll. I lived in hospitals. I and and you don't get sleep in hospitals. You don't get rest. And if you are there and you're committed to being there, then it's going to take that physical toll. Don't be afraid though to take time for yourself, to go away, to do something you like. I struggled with if I leave then they're going to make mistakes they're going to do something I, I felt like i was carrying that when the reality of it is she would have been fine take time to get away do something you like be prepared for that um work out walk whatever you have to do keep yourself physically engaged because you will be better for your per your the person you love your loved one if you are physically able to do it eat right hospitals don't always have the best food So do what it takes to have good meals. These are practical things that I didn't do. I ate junk for years and I gained almost, I almost got to 300 pounds, which was way too much weight for my body to carry. Because I wasn't serious about the physical toll that this was taking on me. The third thing is the spiritual toll. You will be stronger as a caretaker and a loved one if you spend time... Feeding the spiritual side of who you are. God has created us that way. The worst place for a Christian to be is in a silo, separated. God wants us to be involved with those people that can feed us spiritually. And we have a great, we have a ton of resources. Uh, we have podcasts. We have the Bible online. We have uh, YouTube videos of, of preachers that are good. Take time. To allow yourself to invest in those things. Put those resources into your life. Spend time every day praying. You know, the greatest thing that we can do as caretakers is pray over that person that's going through it. Even when we don't feel like it. But we're told, we're called to pray for those that we love. We're called to be persistent and faithful in our prayers. We're called to lift all things to God. Pray for those people that we're going through. Be there Physically, be prepared emotionally. As a caretaker, do things for yourself that will then help you be a better caretaker to your loved one. The second thing is the burden of the financial crisis. The truth is, it is extremely expensive to have a chronic illness. Um, My wife had Medicare, we had private insurance, and we still had so much debt that it's unbelievable still to this day. I had to make a choice uh, about several things when the financial burden uh, was so big after she passed away. And looking back, there were some mistakes I made that hopefully can help you. Here's the first thing. Don't hide from bills when they come in. The worst thing you can do is when a bill comes in, throw it in a drawer. Because doctors and hospitals will sometimes, and it's, I believe it's inadvertent, but they will make mistakes and they will double bill you for things. And they'll incorrectly charge you for things. Uh, I didn't. I I did the the worst thing that I could possibly do for many years. I took bills and I threw them in in a big bin that we had. And I did that over and over and over. Later on, when I started seeing opening things and realizing how messed up some things were, I would as soon as I got an EOB, if you're familiar with that, it's an explanation of benefits. And it tells you how much is being billed to an insurance company and how much they're going to pay. It's a list of charges, and I would send those things right back, whether they came to the from the hospital, or they came from a doctor, or they came from a supplier, medical supplier, the dialysis company. It didn't matter. I would ask them to review for incorrect charges. And more times than I can remember, we would get something back that would say we made incorrect charges, and they would take it off. These are practical things because if you don't do that, what happens is what happened to me. At the end, you have this massive debt that you have no idea whether it's correct or not. So don't hide from bills when they come in. Open them, put them in a folder, make sure things are correct, match them up, make sure insurance is correct. I know it takes time and it's frustrating and what, what, it, what it does is it puts the focus back on the fact that you have a loved one that's very sick. And that's that's hard because sometimes you just want to escape that in your mind, but do it the right way. And down the road, you won't have a noose of all of this medical debt hanging on you. The second thing, be proactive in contacting resources that can help you. Hospitals have resources. They have uh, a social worker and the social worker can put you into uh, into contact with places that can help you um, with some of the medical debt. Sometimes hospitals, in certain cases, will forgive debt based on how great it is and and certain economic factors. Um, There are organizations that can provide some money to help. But you have to be proactive in going after and looking at these places and applying for things. But anything helps when you're talking about the massive amounts of debt that can come from medical costs and chronic illness. And the greater, the longer the chronic illness stretches on, the more bills that come in, the heavier that burden is and the tighter that noose feels around your neck at times. The waters are coming up over you and you're trying just to get your arms out and get a breath. And it gets deeper and deeper. And you can do your part by being proactive. The the third thing here, make a plan with each creditor to pay a little bit off every month. Creditors are more than willing to work with you if you ask them to do that. My situation when when my wife passed away, it was so huge and so heavy. I had to make a decision. I had to sit down and look at this and say, okay, there is bankruptcy. There are payment plans. There's a lot of different things. How am I going to handle this? And I went to people I trusted and I talked to them about it. and, And I was advised to do everything you can imagine from bankruptcy to um to send letters to all these different ideas. And what I I chose, well, the decision I made was I was going to write a letter to every creditor that was, that was owed money. And I was going to ask them to take a third, to settle with me for a third of the debt that was owed. And then I would make a plan with them to repay every month. And out of 17 creditors, 15 of them worked with me. And so I am now on a plan that will probably take me 10 years or so. To pay off little by little month by month that debt that for me was the right thing to do but they're more than willing to work with you if you talk to them but don't wait 17 years down the road begin the process now and it'll be much easier the the third thing so we've got the struggle for the caretaker the burden of the financial crisis that we struggle with and the third thing that I want to help you kind of navigate is the emotions that friends and family go through that don't understand what you're going through. When you and a loved one are going through a time of crisis like this, the people from the outside can't experience it with you. They, they, they can't empathize. They may be able to sympathize to some extent, but they can't empathize and feel those emotions that you're feeling and, and the struggle and the burden and the stress. What, what I think is important, two things, two thoughts to help navigate this. The first thing is, and this is what I did instinctively, which was wrong. Don't build a silo around yourself. All I wanted to do during the times that we were struggling through all of this was just put my arms around my wife and block out the rest of the world and try every single day. My prayer for a long time was, God, just help us get through today. And that was it. And there were a lot of people that were coming to me saying, hey, how can we help? Can I come and sit with Christine in the hospital? Can I, can I, can we bring you meals? Is there anything you need? And my answer to them all the time was, no, we're fine. And this has a lasting effect on relationships, especially with your family. My family didn't know what we were going through. Her family didn't, to some extent, know. And so I pushed family members away that were trying to to do nothing but help. Wasn't something I would meant to do, but it's something that because I just wanted to just daily find a way to protect my wife who was struggling through all of this, I just put my arms in around us and said, I'm just going to do whatever I can do for us today. Emotionally, I can't, I can't extend myself anymore. I just don't have it in me. But if I would have opened up my arms and received the love and the help that was offered, it would have made my burden a lot less. Be okay with people coming into your life that want to help you and love you. It's okay to open up to that. I felt like sometimes they'd see how weak and how poorly I'd done things, and um, every lie and trick of the enemy that he can use to break you down, I allowed because I did not, I did not open up my life to those people. That wanted to come in and support us. Allow your loved ones to be a part of what's going on, no matter how much it hurts or uncomfortable it may feel. Second thing is keep yourself grounded in the Word. That is our greatest strength. Stay in prayer. Allow God to move through all of the things that you're struggling with and allow Him to deal with it because it is part of this process of dealing with chronic illness for the person that has the illness and the person that is the caretaker or the family member walking through it. This has become my very favorite verse. This is Psalm 69, 13, and 14, and it says this, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, In the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. My prayer is that God, you would rescue me and give me everything I need every single day to walk through this the way that that you want me to walk through it. And in the abundance of your steadfast love, provide the answers that I need. Now, when you walk through it that way, and you put your focus on him, and you allow God to love you and minister to you through the people around you, and then you take this experience and you put it in other people's lives, that burden and that pain isn't as strong and as bad as it used to be. And it gets better. Let me tell you, I'm almost three years from when she passed away. And and Sure, there are still times where I struggle, but I'm better. And an amazing thing has happened. The Bible says that God restores what the locusts have eaten. When my wife passed away, I was sure I was never, no matter what, I was never going to to meet someone else. And now, almost three years later, God has brought an amazing woman into my life. And we are set to get married December 12th. And that is him restoring in me what the locusts have eaten. I will be thankful always for the tw- for the 19 years that I was with my wife. I'm thankful for the times that we struggled and the things that we went through. I'm thankful for the great times that we had. Those are all part of who I am. And the enemy tried to take that with, with so many different things. But God has now come in and restored all that, and I have a, a fantastic new relationship, and um, and God has restored all of that. Doesn't mean that I feel bad and that I, I don't keep the memories of, of my life and my wife. I will always have those and cherish those. But God is building something new in my life, and he will do that for you. He can do that for you. I just want to leave you with this thought. As you evaluate these things and as you as you seek to put answers into your life, start with this. Ask God what it is that he wants to do in you and through you. And he will answer that. And when he answers that, whether you are the person going through the chronic illness or you are the caretaker or loved one that is is walking through it, when you answer that question, you'll begin to have a new perspective on what your life is really about. I asked that question way too late in the process. My wife asked that question early on and God answered it, and she lived that way the whole time. I just want to encourage you, find out, Nothing happens in our life for no reason. Whatever illness you're struggling with, there's a reason for it, and God has some things for you to do with it. And He will. God is able and faithful to finish the work that He began in you, and He will do it. Thank you. Um, My contact information is on the... The website. I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, if I can ever be a, a, a support or an encouragement in any way, um, I'm, I'm available for that. Thanks.